Hello, welcome to the Design for a Living podcast with Chelsea Coriel. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about getting dirty as a designer. What do I mean by that? Well, today was a perfect example. And I'm going to I'm going to do um I'm hitting a couple topics that you guys will like because these as soon as something comes up in my real world of design, currently I'm still going to be teaching. It's not just the things I learned over the last 30 years, but so today we got a huge shipment of furniture in. In fact, the store, we, you know, had 10 pieces yesterday, five pieces today, tomorrow we're getting 16. And so what are we going to do with it all? We don't have a big storage facility. So it was all hands on deck. Let's start hauling furniture. So we had to rearrange the floor, you know, moving things, hauling Christmas trees downstairs, rehanging chandeliers just to make room for all of the new stuff that was coming in. And then of course you get some pieces that aren't put together. So I'm down on the floor with tools and I'm putting together um, recliner chair, believe it or not, most people probably don't know, comes in two pieces, the back comes separate and you have to click it together. So I'm on my hands and knees and I'm putting on the legs and there was a problem with one of the legs and I had to go get WD-40 and I had to, um, you know, sort of kind of re-drill out where the dowel was going to go. And, you know, these are things that when you start out in the design world, you might think it's glamorous and you're just going to wear fancy clothes and go have lunch with the ladies and shop. But that's not real design. Real design means getting your hands dirty. You need to know about tools. <laughs> you should always have a tool bag. You need to have at least, you know, a screwdriver, Phillips and flathead. You need to know the difference between the two. <laughs> you should have a cordless drill. I mean, it, the list goes on and on. Um, but, you know, being down on my, uh, on the floor, putting together this chair and the same time we had um, one of the designers had a customer come back. And this, this is the second part that you guys will relate to. She had come up with a design. We had a dining table. We had a console piece that happens to be here at our display, you know, on our floor. And the woman wanted huge discounts because she had found them online. Well, first of all, that's not what we do, right? We're designers. It's like going to the restaurant and saying, well, I can go to the grocery store and get that steak for $3. No, it's different. <laughs> we cook it. We put it together. We, we make it delicious. We make sure it's done correctly. That's what a designer's doing. You, you can't pick it apart and just compare things by price. So as this woman was complaining about, well, I could find this table online and Christina says, well, you know, it comes in pieces and it's really, really heavy. You need to have people that can help you put it together. You need to be able to put it together. And she looks over and I'm on the floor <laughs> using my tools, putting furniture together. So it was, it all kind of came full circle today. And it made me think of how little designers realize, um, that that it isn't this glamorous job that not only you're dealing with problem clients here and there and you've got to be a therapist a psychologist but you also need to be essentially a handyman so if you're starting out the best advice i can give you is a start at home depot or a or a hardware store and start asking questions maybe put together some pieces of furniture um, hang some shelves at your house. 
hang artwork at your house. Learn that there's studs in the wall. Use use a stud finder. It, it will tell you where the studs are. You can use a screw directly into the stud. It's going to hold a lot more weight than if you try to put it into plain sheetrock. It's going to fall. Right? There's different wall anchors you can do. You've got self-tapping drywall screws. <laughs> You've got, um, we use monkey hooks, which are these great little, they look like a monkey's tail. They're great for sheetrock for hanging pictures. Um, the list goes on, but, but go to the hardware store and spend some time there. Get to know tools, get to know projects because you're going to, to face this in your career. At some point when you're installing a project, you need to be there to, to hang the picture correctly. You can't rely on a, a contractor is not going to go do that. I mean, you can try to hire a handyman, but again, they don't want little jobs. So unless you're doing a full remodel, you need to know these things. Um, I Not to, to uh, criticize Nadia when she's not here to defend herself, but that was one of the things she learned. And she's still, I think her last job she did before she moved was the first time she hung her own pictures because she was too afraid before. And we'd give her a hard time about it. And like, don't you hang pictures at your house? Well, no, she always had her husband do it. Um, as a designer, you need to be there. You need to know different wall anchors if you're hanging a mirror versus a light canvas piece of art. Um, read the instructions. That's a big one. On the back of art, it'll say, don't hang with a wire. Hang with two separate screws or wall anchors. Those little hooks in the back, you're not supposed to put wire on those if it's a heavy mirror because the wire can fail. You need to hang it with two hooks. And yes, it takes more time. <laughs> and yes, you might want a little level. In fact, all of you that have cell phones, your cell phone comes with a level built in. Just search in your phone for, just put in level and it'll tell you. But but these are things that you're going to learn. And, and clients are so impressed and happy when you're self-sufficient. They like it when you're taking charge and making sure that things are done right. So this is the time. Now, um, a tool bag. I will go over some of the things that that you need for your tool bag and give you some other good examples um, of times when I myself have had to learn different tasks. So I started out with, you know, just a, a you know, regular tool bag that just had screwdrivers and things. But over the years, I started to realize, especially for installs, the list of things that I needed grew. I started to put in um, touch-up pens for wood in various colors. I realized that super glue <laughs> was an invaluable tool. You know, if you've got a big mirror and a little tiny piece chips off, you don't want to wait another six months to get it in. If you have super glue, you can fix it. It'll be beautiful. The client will never know. It's still a great piece, but you need to have that. I'm not saying duct tape things together, <laughs> but a good super glue, um, a Tide pen to get stains out of, maybe your delivery people put a thumbprint on a white chair. If you have a Tide pen, you can quickly get that out and spot clean it, right? And, and again, you don't want to throw away a whole piece of furniture for a thumbprint, but you can take care of it then. Uh, a bleach pen is good. 
get a variety of wall hooks. Like I said, there's monkey hooks are great. If you've just got sheetrock, there's not a stud there and you need to hang a picture. They actually hold up to like 75 pounds, I think. But it's a great little metal hook that goes in and it's a um, it's a physics type of thing, the way that it, it really holds strong. But they're, they're fantastic. And you don't need a hammer. You actually just push it through with your hand into the sheetrock. Um, if you do have a stud there, which is fantastic, right? They, that's what you want. There's a difference between wood screws <laughs> and um, metal screws. Again, this is where you go to Home Depot and you ask, just ask. They, they love to help people <laughs> give advice. But a wood screw is going to have a pointed end. So it'll actually drill in to wood with just, you can just use a regular screwdriver. Um, we used to use molly bolts. That's a, that's a more of an antiquated um, anchor. And again, you can you can ask about them. Um, certain situations, maybe on a ceiling, molly bolts w- work really well. You actually sort of drill a bigger hole. You push in the screw that's got this clamp on it. When it gets in through the hole, that clamp opens up so it doesn't pull back through the sheetrock. So they they do work for ceilings. If you're hanging a plant or hanging a, a swag for a light fixture, um, that way you know it's not going to pull out. But it is kind of old school. My favorite wall anchor if I'm hanging a mirror, so I need, you know, heavy duty, they're called self-tapping uh, sheetrock anchors. And it looks like a plastic screw. It's like a fatter version of the screw. So you literally just screw that into the wall. You don't have to drill up a, a hole first. You kind of tap it to get it started and screw it in. And then your actual metal screw goes into that plastic. And as it's screwing in, it spreads the plastic on the backside. And I, you know, some of you are thinking this is pretty elementary, but you would be surprised how many people don't know this. And I think maybe it's because my family, they're, they're all sort of DIYers and, um, I've always learned how to do home repair. And then when my husband would go out to sea, I would also do my own home repair. I couldn't wait six months for him to come home. So I actually got, um, so interested in it. And again, I learned all of this from books. And really, it was before the internet. I learned this all from books and from asking people at the hardware store. But I installed my own recessed can lights in my kids' rooms. I went up into my attic. I learned how to wire it and connect it to the light switch. I had to use a fish tape, which is a long, skinny sort of a hook thing that'll grab a wire and you can pull it back up to the ceiling. To cut the hole in the ceiling sheetrock, I used my um, beautiful Henkel bread knife that I got as a wedding gift. I'm up on a little rickety step stool, just cutting out the circle. Um, I don't think I ever told my husband that. He'd probably kill me. But but I installed my own recessed lights and they were great. We flipped the switch and they worked like a charm. But I like that kind of stuff. And, and so I've taken the time to learn it, but it's helped so much in my design business. Even understanding how uh, an electrician is going to connect. You know, if you, you go into a room that doesn't have any ceiling lights, you should understand how that works. You should understand if I say, you know, I really want to add some some lights in here. Well, it isn't just putting them in and connecting them up in the ceiling. You have to, you know, find ways to snake it down through the wall to connect it to a switch. So understanding how that whole circuitry works really comes in handy. It, it, it helps when um, maybe you won't 
suggest light fixtures on a ceiling that doesn't have electricity there already, you know, especially with a budget conscious client. But if you didn't know that, I've seen designers who will, you know, spec out a chandelier and say, well, we'll just have the chandelier hung. How are you going to turn it on? <laughs> Can you hang it there? Is there a support beam? Is there something strong enough to hold a light fixture, especially a ceiling fan? Don't, don't get me started on ceiling fans. <laughs> That's a whole other topic. But, but you need to understand how these things work, why they work, how hard are they to install, what's involved, what for your clients, you know, I wouldn't recommend, I would never install recess can lights for a client. With that, you need an electrician. You need a licensed electrician. But as a designer, it helps that I know about it so that I I can, you know, I have empathy. I can understand. I know it's going to cost more money. Um, so in that toolbox, thinking of that, you know, I've got the different wall anchors, but I also have different kinds of pliers. You never know when you're going to have to, you know, a screw is broken off or something's broken off on a piece and you need, um, you know, to get things out. Or today I had to use pliers when the, the screw wouldn't go in right and it was threaded wrong. And I used WD-40 and then I had to get pliers to undo the screw because it was stripping out with the screwdriver, meaning it wouldn't turn. I was pushing it so hard with the screwdriver the two metals were different softnesses and, and the screw was starting to, to tear apart. So it was going to get to the point where I couldn't unscrew it anymore. So I stopped what I was doing, get my pliers, grab onto the head of the screw and then twist. Again, little things like that, right? It's a problem solving thing. So I always have pliers in my, in my install kit and my tool bag. I do usually have wire in there. It isn't necessarily, well, it's never to hang mirrors or something heavy, but if you have a lightweight canvas, you know, having different weights of wire, um, wiring something that you're doing a floral arrangement or a window treatment and you need something to stick, you know, you can get up there and wire it together. Um, trying to think, what else do I have? I have so many things in there. You know, even thumbtacks, <laughs> double stick tape is great. Um, carpet tape. So in case you get an area rug that's curling up and you can use a little carpet tape underneath it. I always have a needle and thread. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten something in and there's, you know, a thread's pulling out or a pillow, um, you know, has a, a little gap in the seam and I can quickly stitch it up. The, a goof off. Goof off is a great, great product. Um, it, it is what you use to take off stickers. So if you get something with a price tag or you get something with a the manufacturer's label, you know, goof off takes that off. Goof off will take paint out of carpet. Huh. I was painting a mural once. <laughs> this is, it always brings back stories, um, you know, memories of mine. But I was painting a mural in this little girl's room and I wasn't paying attention to my left hand that was holding the tray of paint. I was too worried with what my right hand was doing and I didn't realize that my tray was slowly tipping <laughs> and a little stream of paint was coming down. And I blotted with as much water as I could. I used a whole roll of paper towels and then I got my goof off for the end and just dabbed, never rub, but just dab, blot. I mean, it goes on and on and on the times that I've had to fix something. And if I didn't have the tool there, you never want to have to tell a client, you know, oh, there's a little spot. I'm going to come back and fix it. Or, oh, this little piece chipped off. Let me come back and fix it. You'll never know. You can't do that. You'll, you'll start to break down your, your trust with your client. But if you have those things in your bag, 
and you can take care of them quickly without getting you know anyone upset, without alarming anyone, it's going to make your life so, so, so much easier. Now, on top of that, um, when I lived in Florida, and this is that project I was talking about where it was on the beach and um, you know, I got to sew and and you know, I remodeled her whole house. I wanted to add crown molding in her bedroom. And I had seen uh, in a magazine this really cool shelf that ran around maybe two feet down from the ceiling. She had pretty tall ceilings, two feet down, and it ran around the perimeter of the room. And it had, you know, some books and it had some accessories. And, uh, you know, for that era, it was beautiful. And I wanted that for her, but I knew that A, we were only living there for a little bit of time and I hadn't found a contractor. And I figured, oh, I could do that. How hard can it be? (laughs) So I started by getting a compound miter saw (laughs) or a chop saw. So that was the first tool that I got, which is fantastic. So A, you can chop boards up to 12 inches. So you've got molding, trim, gosh, anytime you have to do like a, um, you know, level something. So you want a little wedge of wood. I mean, just, I chop it, right? I, I can't, flooring, you know, anything. My chop saw is amazing, but the compound miter allows you to pivot it and turn it so that you can get the different angles to do crown molding. I will say crown molding is a varsity job. (laughs) There's a lot to it because you don't just have, you know, a 45 degree angle. You also have it at, at an angle, um, because it's coming, you know, think about crown molding. You've got it where it touches the ceiling, touches the wall. There are a lot more angles involved, but I got a chop saw and I, when I went to the store and my husband was there to pick it out with me and I knew what I wanted and he kept going to these big heavy duty, you know, compound miter that he did a table and I said, no, I need to be able to carry it. I need to be able to put it in the back of my car and carry it to the client's house. And, you know, we disagreed for a while, but I, of course I won because it was mine. It was my mother's day present or his birthday or something. So we still have it. I, that's gosh, that was maybe 1998, 99. And I still have it. DeWalt compound miter saw. Fantastic. And again, something I can carry. So with that house, I put in all of those shelves. I put in the crown molding. Um, that was when I built a mirror for her. So I built a frame and then glued seashells on it. <laughs> um, the next tool that I bought was um, I wanted I wanted more of the pneumatic tools where, you know, it's like the construction guys you see where it's chung, 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 and you've got the nail guns and you've got, and I was doing a lot of reupholstery at the time. And so I knew, I, and I, again, I went to home, literally went to Home Depot and said, now, how do I do this? Well, you need a compressor. Okay. And he's showing me all these big compressors. No, I need something I can carry. It has to be something I can put in my car. So I got a little, they're called pancake compressors. And it's, it's, I don't know, the size of a small ottoman, but it's easy for me to lift. And then I got a staple gun and a brad nailer. <laughs> Let me explain. Rather than a big nail gun, you don't need a big nail gun like they use in construction. You're never going to, I mean, you could be putting together two by fours, but the the odds are pretty slim. So the brad nailer are tiny, tiny, tiny little skinny nails to put in crown molding and baseboards and trim. You know, if you want to do molding on the walls, a picture frame molding, you know, it's so popular right now. 
a little brad nailer is all you need. So you get some kind of compressor and you get your, your brad nailer and ask them to, to teach you how to load it. You, you're not going to hurt yourself. There are a lot of safety mechanisms built in, so don't be intimidated by it. But the thing is phenomenal. I use it all the time. Um, along the lines, you can get a staple gun with it. So anytime I reupholster, uh, I mean, I've wrapped fabric around frames when I needed to do acoustical tiles in a room where we had to um, soak up sound, and I use my little staple gun. I use that thing so often. So those are just two tools and a and a little pancake compressor. But you know, it's not a huge investment, but my gosh, it's so much fun. It's it's great to be able to do the things that I see and that I have in my mind and I want this kind of molding or I want this and I can just do it. I don't have to it doesn't have to be a big process. It doesn't have to be a big project. And I'm not afraid to do it. Right? So again, if you're not wanting to do those things, at least understand how they're made. So when you do hire a handyman, or you hire a contractor, you're understanding, well, this will be a pretty simple job. You just need to bring in a brad nailer and, you know, cut the wood with a compound miter saw and <laughs> boom, 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 you're done. Um, so that was my, that was my next foray into heavy tools, right? And I still love to brag that I let my husband borrow my tools. Um, I now have a table saw for cutting bigger pieces. Mine's not big enough to do plywood, but, um, if I, if I have enough help, I can do a piece of plywood. Uh, but I've done a lot of flooring on my table saw. Um, it, it's for bigger, flatter pieces of wood. I have a scroll saw, which um, I've got my jigsaw where you're cutting curves and you kind of push it through. My scroll saw is more of a free um, form. I'm, I can hold it and you can cut curves. Um Got to have a cordless drill. You have to with a keyless chuck. <laughs> Look at all these terms you're learning. Um, old school, if, if old school drills, right? That you plug in. Those are those have a lot of power. And if you're going to do a lot of screwing, that's what you need. You need to have it plugged in because your batteries will wear out. But if you're just in, you know, putting legs on a on a chair or. Um, you know, putting together a table or something, a cordless drill is great. But the chuck is actually where your different drill bits go in. Drill bits, um, you know, you, you want a flathead, you want a Phillips, but then you also want a set of drill bits for drilling holes, right? And the part where the drill bit goes in, they used, used to have to have a key to unlock it and put the drill bit in. And you don't need that anymore. They call it a keyless chuck. So you just twist you can put the drill bit in and then you twist it tight and you're ready to go. But I love my cordless drill. That I use all the time. And again, go to Home Depot, go to Lowe's, have them teach you. You know, if you're, if you're worried about it, just have them, they'll love to explain, uh, you know, how to use tools, uh, especially if you're a woman, then they, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a guy thing, but wait until you know more than them. See, then you go back and you say, listen, I don't want the key chuck. I want a keyless chuck. <laughs> they'll, they'll be impressed. Um, so, you know, when you're putting together your install kit, they're on Amazon. You can get kits that have all of these things I'm talking about. You can um, buy sets of tools. You know, if you can go to someplace like Harbor Freight, they're really inexpensive. You're not investing a lot of money. Get an inexpensive tool and see if you like it. You know, 
they're not going to be as great a quality. It might only last for a couple of years. But if you're not doing a lot of projects, that's all you need. You really just need to be self-sufficient. As a designer, when you're going in and you know installing a project, you want to be able to do it yourself. You want to be in control and you need to have the right tools so that it gets done well. Beyond the tools, um, get familiar with painting. Get familiar with painting trim. Um, you know, there was a house I did in California where we had this beautiful wallpaper installed and then she had um, a trim piece that went around the room just to top it off. I wasn't going to find a contractor just or, or a painter to just come paint. You know, it was maybe 20 feet of trim. And so I did it myself. Make sure you cover the wallpaper first. <laughs> that was a lesson I learned once. But, you know, having the, the right painting supplies, you you need that. Having a little drop cloth, you need that. When you're when you're working on these projects, again, it makes you feel so good that that you had an even bigger part of the the completion of your design. And I'll never forget, I was watching some um it was a design star show and they were down to the end they were judging this group of designers three of which had been you know roll up their sleeves hands on they were helping their contractors complete their projects and one that wouldn't she was too i don't know above getting her hands dirty and jonathan adler who is a famous designer and has been doing this for decades actually scolded her and and said, you think you're too good for that? You're better than the craftsmen that are working for you? All of my projects. He said, I get in there and I paint. I roll up my sleeves. You've got to get dirty. You need to be a part of the process. And that was that was another moment where I thought, okay, I am doing it right. And, and I am teaching it the right way. Don't ever have anyone tell you that the designer is just the glamorous. Don't get your hands dirty. You just point and tell people where to move stuff. That's not a real designer. You need to be able to get in there and just get your hands dirty. Be, be, be a part of it. It feels really good. And you have more pride in your projects. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Happy designing. And again, comment, send me your questions, uh, like the videos on YouTube, and uh, keep it coming because I love helping. This has been really, really fun. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Design for a Living with Chelsea Coriel. Our episodes will be dropping on Sunday, so stay tuned. We are on Google Podcasts and Spotify, and soon you will find us on YouTube where we will upload podcast videos. So stay tuned for that and follow along. Thanks so much for being with us. Find us online at designforaliving.com. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and House at Design for a Living. If you'd like to submit a question or request a topic, email us at chelsea at designforaliving.com. That's C-H-E-L-S-E-A at designforaliving.com.